everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. I'm Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on AMC's Breaking Bad. And we're here to talk about episode number 406. Um, today, uh, I'm with my co-host, Vince Gilligan. Hello. Our co-executive producer, Melissa Bernstein. Hello. And special guest, Jonathan Banks, who, hey. plays, hey. who plays Mike on our show. You know what, Vince? Um, I actually put out a... Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out right now to... Um, uh, some people who frequent the boards on Television Without Pity. Uh, really, really nice people giving us some nice um, comments on the podcast. And so I put out there last week if there's any specific, very specific questions. And um, just so people out there understand, um, it's very, very hard for us to talk about story arcs and symbolism and all that stuff because we know where it's going. So uh, with that being said, um, they've asked some interesting questions, and one of them actually pertains uh, to... Uh, this situation we can start out. One person asked about when you write a certain character, do you write the character with an actor in mind, um, and then do you go chase after that actor? Now, I know that this may not <laughs> this may not apply here, but I remember you telling me, you know, way back when Jonathan first joined us, yes. that you were a big, huge fan of Wise Guy. Yes. So I'm going to have that segue into our opening here and talk about chasing down Jonathan Banks. Well, I I did not know that uh, Jonathan Banks was available to us. I thought he was. Uh, honestly, uh, when you when we saw thought you I passed on, did you? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I I thought I didn't realize we could. I somehow I I uh, I've told this to Jonathan many times. Uh, I I uh, uh, wise guy was like appointment viewing when I was in college. Uh, all of us, uh, including uh, Tom Schnauz, who uh, uh, works on the show. Uh, is uh, we used to get together. What, what night of the week was that? Wednesday night. Why is the guy was on? I, I, <laughs> I can't remember what night of the week it was, but whatever night it was, we would all hang out and get the, get together in the dorm room and watch Wise Guy. Jonathan was just absolutely fantastic on it, and when we got the chance to work with him, uh, uh, it was just I was over the moon because it was it was I, I never thought we'd get to, to get to work with him. And so having said that. Um, I, I cannot, with all honesty, say that, that Mike, I was thinking of Jonathan when we first came up with the character of Mike because I didn't know he would he would deign to do our little TV show. This is the way it really happened, kids. I still had to come in and read, and then they saw the film and they went, oh, my God, that guy's still around, for Christ's sakes. we got to hire him. But I didn't even know they were getting you in to read, to be honest. When, when, when we saw, basically, we had these amazing casting associates here in Los Angeles, uh, uh, Sherry and, uh, Sharon Bialy and Sherry Thomas, who, who, you know, find us, you know, these wonderful actors that we get to, we're blessed to work with on this show. And when uh, we got that particular set of auditions, I was looking through the thing and it said Jonathan Banks. I was like, not the Jonathan Banks. Are you serious? He came in to read for us? He's available <laughs> to us? So it was it was just like fantastic. But I, I was not, I, I honestly, I didn't think that, you know, such a thing could happen. But uh, they, and, they and, and, they, and Vince in general in casting doesn't approach it with like let's go out to the, these names. He's always been interested in seeing people read. So we've just kind of taken that off the table. The you know looking for you know big names or stunt casting. So we just don't we just don't approach it that way. So yeah. you know Sherry and Sharon have always just brought in people who are willing to read and you know yeah. willing to. 
So the answer to the question officially. I was thinking of Jimmy Cagney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to come up with Mike. Who, who has passed over? <laughs> has he? Yes. So, but to That's answer, why the, I haven't seen him lately. To answer the question, you don't particularly look for a specific, but sometimes you may write. Like was was Bob Odenkirk somebody that you wrote Saul Goodman for? I think you might have mentioned. Can, are we finished talking about Jonathan? No. Because I was not. loving that. I just want to make sure that we we answer the question. It, the 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 uh, it's it the answer is sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. I guess is the best okay. answer. Sometimes you 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 picture a character and you picture an actor. And you you sort of write to that uh, personality or that that archetype, and 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 truly, I was joking about Jimmy Cagney, but sometimes <laughs> you are thinking of Spencer Tracy or Humphrey Bogart. You you know it's a pretty good chance you're not going to get them, but uh, but you're thinking of that archetype perhaps. Okay. Uh, and sometimes uh, you're thinking, in fact, of a, of a friend or uh, your dad, or you're thinking of uh, your mom, or you're thinking of uh, some some person who's not going to play the part, but who is the archetype that you see in your head that helps you put the voice in, in, in on the page, the, the dialogue on the page, and then uh, your wonderful casting people find go out and find the person who most resembles what you had in your head. And then, again, sometimes the, the person who gets the job is not at all like what you pictured. It's, uh, in fact, someone very, very different, maybe a polar opposite of what you pictured, and yet they come in, they audition, and they just nail it. And then you, your entire vision of the character is completely uh, turned on its head, and, and you're happy for that. Cool. So. Now, to get back to Jonathan Banks. Yes. <laughs> Let's get back to Jonathan Banks. Um, the way that this, uh, this episode opens, and you meant to do this, you guys did this on purpose, um, you actually almost play it as a complete, you know, almost shot-by-shot shot recap of episode number 404, where we open up in one of Gus's refrigerated trucks, and... Um, we have Jonathan for this episode, so we're going to jump back a couple of episodes and talk about the experience in 404 where you were supposedly in a refrigerated truck. Just so fans you know, know Jonathan was not in a refrigerated truck. He was on a set. But, but before you paint this picture of me being just at ease and well taken care of, it's a thousand degrees in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'm wearing a snowsuit with huge boots on. So I wasn't cold, but I was dying. I thought I was going to have a stroke in there. Um, did they give you like cold packs to put in? Yeah, underneath? sure they did. It's, it was their top concern. <laughs> no, but you take, you take a piece of dry ice and you put it in a plastic cover that you would find a, not unlike a toothpaste um, toothbrush head that you put that plastic around the toothbrush. So you put the dry ice in there. It's encased. You stick it in your mouth, and it will produce the breath, the cold air breath. So that wasn't just acting? Yeah, it was pretty good acting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's what we did. Hey, Jonathan, I got a question for you. Um, you know, um, r- remind me which uh, episode Jonathan joined us in. Jonathan's first episode was the second season. Second season, it was episode. It's last show. Oh it yeah, the it was the last season. show. He episode comes in thirteen, and yeah. ta- he's a cleaner. He's a cleaner. He's the cleaner. Mike, Mike the That's cleaner. right. Okay, sorry. Mike the cleaner. <laughs> and and that, um, was, uh, that was uh, that was so cool. Cleaning <laughs> up Jesse's mess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say though about that last, just really quickly because my impression of doing that last show and coming up, and I remember walking up those steps and seeing Aaron sitting out there preparing. And I looked at this, and I went, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything. I went, and I did this scene. 
I remember I reached down and I slapped the piss out of him, <laughs> and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't, and he, you know, and that's not written in there, and and how 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 he was there, he was right there, and that kid never let go of that all day long. And I came home and I said to my wife, I said, I just worked with a a stunning. I don't know if I use the word stunning, but I said a great actor. I said this kid, I think, is really good. And uh, so anyway, that's an aside. Um, hey, Vince, I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of the story, um, where we're at. Um, right now we're in the midst of sort of a war between Gus and the Mexican cartel. Um, they've kind of made their presence known by robbing, we're trying to rob uh, the first refrigerator truck. Yeah, right. um, now you have them robbing a second truck yes. and having they have a new tack yeah. uh, going at this one. So uh, what was that like in the writer's room deciding to actually repeat and really so the, the cartel is basically just robbing the truck, killing all the people to send a message? Well, it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I wish Jenny Hutchison was here today, who wrote this episode, did a wonderful job. She used to be my assistant uh, 12 years ago in the X-Files, but uh, she came up with some just a wonderful, uh, a wonderful script for this episode. And, and, and as, as usual, uh, coming up with the plot for any particular episode, it, it's, uh, the seven of us writers but to actually around. decide that you were going to repeat well i mean it just seemed like a fun thing to we, we try very hard in the show never to repeat ourselves in a sense and yet you know perhaps it's it's not repeating oneself to repeat oneself no but this if, is if this was sense. effective we, we, we like the idea of starting off uh, an episode that looked like it's almost so that the audience would say, wait a minute, oh, sh- crap, they're showing these out of order. They're, we've already seen this seen one. This one yeah. Oh, wait, this is a different one. Who are these two different guys? This isn't Mike anymore in the back of this refrigerator truck. It's these two guys we never met. Okay, things are going to get robbed. We've seen this before. Except that we see that the cartel has learned their lesson from, <laughs> from when Mike bested them <laughs> two episodes uh, prior to this one. And now the now we uh, see the cartel is getting the upper hand. So it just... it. I don't know, as with any other scene, it seemed like a fun way to, to get into the episode. The teaser is always, the teaser of every episode is something we spend an inordinate amount of time on because we want to get into the show in the most interesting, cool, dramatic, cool, Four sometimes minutes. funny, usually Four dramatic. possible. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you just want to, that's something I learned, you know, as I probably said before, something I learned on the X-Files all those years on the X-Files. We put a lot of work into that teaser because uh, it just felt like, the episode itself feels like a little mini movie. The teaser itself uh, is almost like a mini mini movie. It's almost like a little, just this little, you know, uh, hors d'oeuvre like or taste. something that that, that gets it's, you ready for the, the bigger the, meal. Uh, amuse bouche. It's an amuse bouche. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? Well it's done. like a little amuse, uh, yeah, a little taste, a one bite of food. I learned that on Top Chef. Yeah, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? Amuse-bouche. Amuse-bouche. I hope that's right. Amuse-bouche. I think it's as close as our American mouse. But you know what? Let's jump. Let's let's take one more jump back to 404 with Jonathan, too, because I want to talk to you, Jonathan, about the ear the ear business. It looks like your ear is healed. Ear is healed. <laughs> it's the throat. <laughs> I'm getting half my head taken off. But uh, how was that when, when you heard about it or when you read about it? And what was that makeup like? And well, what I will tell you how done? old school I am. <laughs> I despise calling the boss or anybody. I had an agent for a year that I never met one time. And, and <laughs> I did. Um, wow. Uh, 
So I see that my ear's getting taken off, right? And I immediately know that this is going to be a process because you got to do the thing. You got to do it. I now know I'm going to be in the makeup chair for at least two hours while I do this <laughs> thing, right? So instead of calling the office, <laughs> I sent Vince a postcard <laughs> and said, maybe we could get a two-for-one deal here. If you're going to go this far, then let's blow off both here. We could clip, we could clip like a Doberman for Christ's sake. Oh, God. <laughs> it took for, you know, and then it heals over a period of time. And our makeup people, and what's the boy, who's, who's the boy, first uh, of all, is it the house here that so did it? So Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger created the ear at K&B here in, right. in, in the Burbank area. And then Corey Welk, I Corey. think, applied Corey. it for oh you. And then Frida, who does all the makeup, and, we, and is it finally as it begins to heal, and the da 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 Yeah, she da. has to track that through the rest of the season. Because Vince is really uh, keen on making sure it looks real, and that one thing once you it takes place in one episode, it isn't forgotten in the next. All right, hey, here we go, Gordon. Go, where are you, Gordon? Right. What time does Vince come into work? Vince comes in very early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't suck up! Don't suck up! Because Vince decides that I'm going to get my ear blown off. I'm getting in the car at five, five thirty in the morning to go be in makeup an hour, hour and a half before everybody else. While Vince leisurely, after the rush hour, comes in here. I'm being rubbed with emoluments at this point. I'm just sort of, you know, a little bit of rubbing alcohol. Oh, I'm going to take know, my nap. My no, can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Awesome. No, oh, I it's a great, you. it's a great bit, and I just so I was so it, when it finally goes and I come out and I lift that flap up, I was having such a good time. <laughs> so oh my so god, nasty. I was having <laughs> such a good time. Greg Nicotero and, and Howard Berger, of course, of Walking Dead fame, who uh, are the wonderful uh, zombie makers on yeah, that show, and Both nominated for an Emmy for that show. And, and Corey, who applied it, is a very sweet guy. Who's been, and Garrett uh, very from their talented. team also had a lot to do with shaping it. And uh, he was down on the set for episode one, where we did the throat slit, and they helped us out on that too. They did a great job. I don't oh, that's know. right. They came there. I got to tell you, just to go over to where they make that stuff mm-hmm. and walk in through there and see some of the old models, you think they could sell tickets just to have people walk through that I place. I bet you're right. <laughs> but they like a could. Museum. Yeah. And, they're, and they, you know what? They were so nice because it's they don't get to really talk to the people that they do all those things for. Right. And we were over there in the chair and Jenny was with me and they were just they were they were so glad to see me, you know. It was fun to be there. Cool. Fun to be there. You're a fun guy, Jonathan. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I wouldn't go that far. You know what, I, I just wanted to uh, mention one thing before we jump out of this teaser. Um I, I gotta say when I when I got the footage in and I saw that the guys, you know, got the guy's lunch, which is really a, a wonderful touch. They got the dead touch. guy's lunch. They shoot the guy, take his lunch and start yeah. eating it. And I loved, loved, loved the throwback to episode three oh six, Sunset, when one of the guys takes out an apple. And takes a bite, and that reminded me, of yeah. course, of the apple being eaten by the cousin yeah. as the policeman is getting hacked to death with yeah. an axe. Uh, you know, you and Bad we worked guys on eat apples. Well, we it's... talked a lot about what that lunch would be, though. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, would be in that, that cooler, and because we actually had different um, visions in our mind about what that lunch was. Oh, okay. And how it was set up. We talked about it a lot in prep. So, but I think they, the actors divided it up on the day who was going to eat what. Eat what? Right. That wasn't planned. So um, let me ask you this, Melissa, since this is part of your uh, your stuff um, out and there in Albuquerque. You spend your time out there uh, for our shooting season. 
Um, that location uh, on the side of the road, how close is that to our studios? I'm sure it's like it's right outside the gate, close. isn't it? <laughs> you can practically walk, right? Yeah, and that, that's one of the locations that's close enough to the studio that we have to make sure the studio isn't in frame. Yeah. And neither is. There's a water tower that sort of ties you to that location, too. Yeah. We have to make sure that's not in frame. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it, it plays as out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, great job. So it's something, you know, uh, the director, Michael Slovis, and Vince, uh, and the DP of that episode, Nelson Craig, they all talk about and decide if it's it's going to work for everybody but you know it's close enough that we can get back into the studio for the rest of the day and you know make our eight-day schedule well speaking of which i'm so glad uh, uh, we have to talk uh, in great detail about our wonderful uh, director of photography and now in this episode wonderful director uh, Michael Slovis yes so what's it like Jonathan working with uh, you've worked with Michael as a as a a director of photography and then as a director was it was it uh, different working with him Let's, that way <laughs> michael's great he's great he's great yeah. and as a director oh my god what fun yeah it was great to have him out from behind that camera you know it's interesting because michael is very technically adept as you would hope a director of photography would be and yet what i what strikes me about him as a director is he's very much he kind of lets the technical it's not like he lets it go but he he doesn't what little I've seen of him on the set when he's directing, because usually I'm here in Burbank, but he's he's not micromanaging. He's not second-guessing the DP. He's, in fact, thinking more about the actors, and really, he's... he's, he's well, you know, we got to talk about Steve, too, the lighting yeah. that comes... Steve Latecki. Steve Latecki, yeah. It, it's quiet. Yeah. I mean, silent. That You would never know that this guy is on the set. And I, you know, Except and for the fact that he's seven feet tall. He's huge. <laughs> and, you know, he's huge. And so... Of course, it's in any any opening I get, good or bad, I'm going to bust somebody's chops. And sure. I'm saying to him, Steve, you got to stop yelling here. You're screaming, <laughs> you're yelling. And we were we were in that that warehouse, uh, the old plant with the boilers, and something was wrong with his headset, where he really did have to raise his voice to one of the guys up on essentially the fly floor because yeah. they were lighting it from the outside, and. And I was all over him. I went, "Oh my God! How can people work under these conditions?" But look at the, look at the lighting that he gives you. Oh yeah, well this that whole crew is just well in Aubrey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we got the best. We got the yeah. best. We got the best. But I, you know what? I mean, I always feel I'm, I always feel like a sycophant. But it's 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 because I keep saying it now. This is my forty third year professionally, and. And there really are times, and you just can't get it. And Gordon, pay attention, buddy, because <laughs> I say to Jenny, it's that those. It's a moment. This is a moment. This is a very, very, very special moment. You know what? And you guys, whether you like the show, you don't like the show, whatever. I know for me, for being doing this right now, it's just this is. Uh, it's it's a privilege. It's all those things I say, and and, and it's it, and it, it don't it don't come around, but every so often, very rare. Well, we're lucky to have you. Can I ask a question of Jonathan? Of course. So this I think four hundred six is a really interesting episode in terms of uh, Mike's relationship with Jesse. Yeah. And he's you know he watches this scene take place outside of the meth house where you know Jesse's. Does you know does something pretty clever and ends up making some progress and then there's those two scenes in the diner. What are your thoughts on how that relationship is changing? Good question, Melissa. Well, <laughs> you know it's really hard sometimes because maybe I'm not that bright. It's hard. It's hard to take Jonathan Banks's values and Mike. 
you know, I don't know what Mike would even want to hang out with Jonathan Banks, but but <laughs> who wouldn't want to hang out? I I truly I like him. Vince and I have talked. You know, when you were talking about the image of somebody that flies up, and I'll answer the question in a yeah. second. But yeah. the the the, the an image of somebody out of your life, and obviously, you know, he didn't have to be a killer. He didn't have to be this. But who was the image of that guy? of that hourly worker that was there no matter what doing it was good to his word yeah 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 what do was you it? have do you have somebody out of, out of your out childhood of. that you thought of well there was a professional killer that i knew in my childhood <laughs> and what a guy and there wasn't a lot of business in farmville virginia in farmville, virginia he was the town professional killer and we, his name was dave and we, and we loved him so uh, you know what? Uh, it just uh, I, I'm trying. You know, it, it, I, I tell terrible stories uh, when when it comes to asking where things come from. People say, you know, where did the idea for Breaking Bad come from? Where did this come from? Where did the inspiration for this character come? I have no idea. It just comes. It just either comes or it doesn't. And when but I'm does, saying to you, there's a guy. If you said when you told me, hourly yeah. wait, yeah. I immediately. I think of a, I, I know a guy. I know a guy. Now he was a bus driver in D.C. Yeah, 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 yeah. With no education. Yeah, yeah. And one of the used to. I did not grow up in a garden spot, and he would, he would, and I didn't. I grew up with my dad. So anyway, he would take us. Right. And his two sons, and uh-huh. he fathered me in many ways. And he would take us to a tennis court, and he would be with black socks up to his <laughs> up to his knees yeah. in hard shoes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a tough old boy. Yeah. And these kids, he would turn us out on this court. Yeah. And, of course, all the people in their whites and stuff would be going, Jesus Christ, get those kids out of here. The balls would be going <laughs> everywhere. And he would stand up for us and let us have our 15 minutes That's or do great. whatever he was doing. But anyway. Are you, and, and you're saying this, this, this fellow, and this I gentleman? I think you, as far as I'm and, Obviously not a killer, yeah. but he would. He was so true to his word, yeah. And in spite, and didn't, in spite of everything, he yeah. would. He was there, yeah. so that's my guy. Well, I think of. I can't think of someone like that. I wish I could, but I, but I do in 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 more general terms. I think of Mike as being a man who did not set out to be a criminal or to represent the interests of criminals in the way that he does. I, but I think, I think he's a man who has a moral code, a man who believes in what he believes in, a man who stands by his friends and is loyal. He's got, Mike is an interesting character to me because he's got so many fine qualities, and yet without, without his blood pressure even raising that much, he can kill someone. Yeah. He can do those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. So fascinating guy, and uh, yeah. And, and what, whatever design that you and take or the writers take on whatever his background or if we ever if that ever even comes up, I still you know when when I do my stuff and I think about where it is and where he was from, what happened, where, where did he get to this? Because there's something to me there's something really tragic about him. Yeah. And and I don't know either. Yeah. But yeah. I like the way you put that, though. I like, uh, I like that. Jesse, a diner. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to No, not off. at all. Um, 
Aaron didn't want to eat his meatloaf, as I recall. Aaron is happy about just about everything. What a pain in the ass yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. So I think even depicting him as complaining about order. anything, he was just like, maybe next time it doesn't have to be meatloaf. <laughs> that <laughs> that might have been his critique. <laughs> I don't blame him. Oh, my God. That meatloaf didn't look particularly Yeah, but he never delicious. said anything to me. And we're sitting there, and he never says anything about anything. i got to tell you, when the Hildalgo scene of, of, of dust came across at us, and we were on, being towed on that tow one time. <laughs> I'm not jumping ahead, am I? That was 405, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the, pre- the previous week's episode. You yeah. know, I mean, there we were. You're just blasted by dust. Aaron never complains. No, he yeah. never does. A- ever. Ever. About the I do the complaining for all of us. <laughs> I go, Jesus, where the hell are we doing? <laughs> um, God. Anyway, just feeding him, you know? I mean, there's no way that you get around to, at my age because, listen, this guy could be easily be my son. And you see somebody in trouble. I mean, I really, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than that comes, that, that scene comes very naturally for Aaron and I. I truly and yeah, you know. What I'm You're great in that scene. You both are so great in that scene. Just sitting in the car, waiting in front of the uh, the crack house, and you're offering him a sandwich, pimento cheese. Pimento cheese. Not bad. Pimento cheese is quite good actually. And then the uh, going out and digging in the uh, in the yard. I'm digging sure some folks are wondering, yard. you know, what's the what's the story there? Why don't you talk about the shovel cam? That Mike Slovis wanted. Mike Slovis, uh, who's got a wonderful eye as a director and also a wonderful director of actors, he's he's the whole package there. He's the whole deal. He had the thought of putting a a uh, small uh, digital SLR uh, mounting it to the end of the shovel, so that that one uh, short but very fun shot of of from sort of the shovel's point of view over over Aaron's shoulder as he swings it over his shoulder, swings it around, and starts to dig with it is uh, is a, quite a fun shot. Done with a little, uh, I think in this case, like a Canon 7D that cuts in with our 35mm motion picture film very nicely. And uh, it's a very interesting shot. And, and uh, <laughs> it's a, you know, we live in amazing times technologically that we can get shots like that. And they they don't, for the most part, don't look like video. They look like uh, they, they cut in, they integrate with the motion picture film very nicely. Right. Um, I, I've asked you this in the in the editing room when we were working on this episode a few weeks ago. I asked you about how you guys came up with the the idea for digging and thinking that that would, you know, entice a meth addict out and understand and have him innately understand what was going on. Well, meth meth heads. There's a term uh, called tweaking. Meth heads uh, are known to tweak. Huh. And uh, tweakers, when the people talk about tweaking, it's it's not something you you always are doing when you're on meth. I, and and I got to preface everything I'm about to say. I am no expert really? on meth, not not <laughs> not from personal experience and not from any kind of medical or scientific. So so take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But but our anecdotal evidence, you know, that uh, is definitely out there to be gleaned from the internet and from talking to people, is that meth heads tend to tweak. And tweaking is when you obsess about something, when you are deep into the throes of the of the meth, and you are you are obsessing. And it may be taking a television set apart, it may be picking at scabs, you know, on your arm until they fester. It, it, there's a lot of nastiness, or it may be uh, <laughs> digging a hole to China, you know, uh, in the in your front yard. Uh, it, but it's obsessive, uh, obsessive compulsive behavior that can go on for hours and hours and uh it could it could center on any activity major or minor i suppose and uh and so with that in mind knowing that meth heads had a tendency to do that we thought it'd be 
I don't. I can't remember who came up with the idea, but it, we just thought it'd be interesting if, you know, Mike's got the shovel in his in his uh, in the in the back of his Buick there, and the first time we see that shovel in last week's episode. Mm-hmm. We think, oh man, Mike's going to bury Jesse in the middle of this desert out by this windmill, you know. <laughs> so it, the, the shovel, a shovel, of course, in a show like Breaking Bad, is a representation of, of bad things afoot. So last week it was. This week, Jesse says, "Pop the trunk, I need some." And he pulls out a shovel. We're thinking, he's going to cross the street. He's going to whack these guys in the head. He's going <laughs> to kill them. No, he's not. He's not. Jesse is not a violent person. And and to see Jesse use cunning. And to use his personal experience on meth, it, it was a it was a delightful scene that yeah. Jenny wrote. It was wonderful to watch it, see it cut together, see it working, see you actors playing it. It's it's <laughs> it's a scene I'm real proud of as a not in a personal sense. I didn't write this one, but but in a just a show you know a showrunner sense, I'm proud of the scene because it's it's everything the character is believably capable of doing. He's not going to go in there and whack these guys in the head. I mean, he does at the end of the scene, you know, to save his own life, but he's not going to go in there and violent. He's not going to go in there like Rambo. He's not that guy. And he's not Einstein either, but but he does have quite a bit of street smarts. Mm-hmm. Jesse does. He's no he's no idiot and he gets smarter with every episode and he grows up more with every episode and yep. So you're proud of him in a weird way watching the scene. You're like, "Damn, he pulled and so it off." Mike. Yeah, yeah, and, my, and that, he yeah. wants to prove himself. To yeah. Mike. Yeah. The two guys that played the meth heads, too. They were... <laughs> oh, they were great. Tucker and Tucker's kid. buddy. Tucker! <laughs> shut the door! Talk, talk about them. Well, you yeah. Know. yeah, you uh, guys talk about Damon them. Damon Harriman, yeah. uh, who, who, play, who plays... It's Tucker is Blake Barris, and um, Damon Harriman... What, does he have a name? Tucker's buddy. Uh, so ca- Jenny called him Scary Skell scary in, the, in the script. He never yes. really is like given a name. Like Scary Spice, but more Yeah, like Scary Spice. Yes. And he's, uh, Damon is, a, is a, I believe, a, a, a regular on uh, the uh, uh, Justified. Very wonderful show. Very plays a very scary guy, and he's from Australia. He yeah. speaks with like an Australia, like an Australian accent. Yeah, that was a kick. Seeing him and his um, his teeth blackened, like filthy, his hair just like must with everything possible, yeah. and then in this beautiful accent, and then you know he on a dime he could turn uh, and uh, be uh, this really method. great, and uh, not unlike Aaron, the way that, that some of these guys, these young actors, they will stay, they will stay in that character, they will stay in that character. Until they're they're exhausted, they exhaust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever done it that way, or you? Uh, you... yeah. But you know what? It was it was. I mean, it's. I said to Jenny about the um, improv that you you'll hit something, you'll be there, and it's comfortable, and then you elaborate on it, and you go and you go and you go. Okay. Olivier used to, as great as he was, yeah. or would say, well, maybe if I try on the right hat. Wow. But he would. Yeah, and he would yeah. say this would take him somewhere yeah. with that character that he would go, man, I can't sit outside in the cold all day long and just and just <laughs> be... And what am I going to do with Mike? I'm going to blow my brains out, Mike. You can't. You can't. Well, you don't want to go where Mike is. Right, 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 <laughs> you right, don't right, want right, to do yeah, that. There's such a thing as being too messy. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but the boy, the Australian boy, because I worked with him more that day. Man, was he intense. Yeah, he. I mean, he was giving so much. I mean, the screaming. It was like full body screaming. Yeah. And there was one of those shots and where Blake too. His... Not he didn't have to scream, but yeah. Blake uh, just as intense. It seemed to me. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a different yeah. way. Yeah, he was. Um, Damon had the shot where he like comes into camera. Um, you cut this one out. Uh, 
Mm. Um, and it's a really tough shot for focus. Yeah. So he had to do it a lot because, you know, you uh, like our, focus, yeah, our, yeah. our uh, first AC was outside the room. He couldn't even see it. So it was one he just had to keep giving in every, sh every, t every time he did it. I mean, doing the focus by remote control, that yeah. little remote thing. Yeah, he couldn't even see the shot. That's tricky. And it, so, yeah, Damon had to do it a number of times. And every time he just brought it. It was amazing. That's tricky because you're talking about a depth of field of like an inch oh, or yeah. half an inch or something. You got to, you, if you, if you, you, some of these shots like that one, I'm remembering back on, you got to get the eyes in focus. If the eyes are in focus, the rest of the face can be out, and you still get the sense of the shot being properly focused. But when you're talking like a depth of, of, of field so shallow that the eyes can be in focus and the tip of the nose is out of focus, you're like, which man, shot you got That's tricky. Which when shot when he comes about? in, he says, I don't have enough oh, for you. Okay, and, then okay. he's, and then he's saying, uh, why do you, you know, you don't put thoughts in my right, head. You don't, put, okay. you don't put thoughts in my head. <laughs> that was great. Hey, <laughs> um, we got we to gotta wrap this up, but I just want to. talk about the four corners. Well, that's what okay. I was going to bring up. Right I was going to say, briefly, can we talk about sending a unit out to four corners? How far was that? What was what kind of stuff had to be worked on as far as the the producer part of that? Yeah, movie. tell well, us about that. This is a an idea from Vince. You know, he had it. You know, the thought that it would really add something to the episode if we sent a team to the four corners to and not just sort of try Which, to approximate. Explain it on briefly a stage. what the four corners is. So, so for people who don't know, the four corners is like the the place where four states meet. It's, it's the only place in the Utah, U.S. Utah, New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the only place in the U.S. like that. Yeah, it, and it's a it's like a it's a park that the um, that one of the uh, Native American nations owns. So yeah. it's sort of like a reservation. So they don't they have their own set of rules. Yeah, they have their own laws. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, it was so we decided to send up a unit, and we wanted to do it as scaled back as we could, just financially, so that you know we wouldn't we'd be able to afford it. We had five dollars and seventy six cents <laughs> yeah. to spend. Our, our first, uh, the first thing we did was we had to send somebody in our location department up to talk to them. Because to scout they, it. Yeah, because right? they, no, not just to, I mean, not just to scout it, to speak to them. Because we mm. couldn't call them on the phone and do a deal. They do all their deals in person. And this is the Native American. Well, these, like, uh, or yeah. they send postcards. <laughs> <laughs> these are my kind of people. So we started the, the negotiation that way by sending somebody from our team up there to and talk say to them. how far about the way this is. It's about six and a half hours. If you're really cruising, it can be up to about eight. Wow. Um, from Albuquerque. New Mexico is a big state yeah. with a lot of winding roads. Yeah, yeah it sure is. So, yeah. you know, we sent up um, one of our, uh, a member of our camera team. And, and this is also footage that cut in really nicely. They've cut in great. Um, you know, with our film footage. Uh, and we sent up a double for Anna. Yeah, I was going to mention that. The, we, the couldn't woman send that's up a we couldn't send up a baby. Yeah. So we have a carrier. And then we shot you know, pieces of it on our stage and pieces of it right outside of our stage. The woman that's, that is shooting, that's being the double for Anna, is she Anna's normal stand-in? Yes. Can you guys explain really quickly what a stand-in does? I think Jonathan should do that, actually. Yeah, they, they are there to set up the camera shot so that I can go get coffee and schmooze with people <laughs> and, and essentially not work. Um, they're wonderful people who work, who, who work really hard and um, they just basically stand right there. But they do so they for can all light. the lighting in there, and okay. they're doing the blocking movements as the camera travels. And in my opinion, I don't know that they don't get respect, but they certainly don't get noticed as much as they should. Uh, they're an integral part of of 
filmmaking. And so the camera the, can, team can do their measurements so that when the actors come in, everybody's ready to shoot. For the most part, do you when you hire stand-ins, they have to they have to have like the same height, same hair color. A lot of times, well, in what's Anna's double's name? Suzanne. 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 When Suzanne, Suzanne was very there, sweet, but she I like actually has a lot. to have yeah. her hair the same. Did she have her hair the same, or is that we, a wig? Yeah, or? We, oh, okay. we, we also sent Gunnar Swanson, who is the our uh, hair department key, and he went up to make yeah. sure that her hair looked as close to Anna's as possible. So when Gunner she's went acting, to? yeah, yeah, when she's cool. acting as stand-in, she doesn't. It doesn't have to look that close. But this had to be so close. She's also wearing a coat, which we felt like would you know, allow them to look a little more similar. And Suzanne studied Anna's walk and did a very nice job uh, uh, emulating it, you know, uh, imitating it, whatever the word is, and, and she did a great job. And so sure when did. you watch that scene, if you watch it again closely, anything wide, a wide shot, that's Suzanne, and anything close up that's obviously Anna, uh, if it's looking straight down on Anna, it is on the sound stage with a reproduction of the actual four corners uh the medallion. The medallion. And, and, and yeah. that's on a sound stage, and, and that recreation is done by our wonderful production designer and a wonderful uh, construction coordinator and his crew. And then if you're looking straight up at Anna, that's in the parking lot of the sound stage, mm-hmm. uh, so that you're looking up at Sky and Albuquerque. And it, yeah. it integrates together very well. And it's also, speaking of which, you're talking about film integrating with video there because you guys weren't able to send up a film unit it was just it was frank who did a great job shooting it uh, on a on a something that looks like something you'd get at best buy and you, you can essentially get a, you probably get a canon 7d at best buy i mean you're talking about a a a still camera that also happens to shoot uh 1080p video Which we're not quite ready to use it to replace everything we shoot with it's not quite ready for that but it's pretty damn good anyway i'm sorry enough geeking <laughs> geeking out here uh, my my only question about that is, it just thought of it is, did you guys trailer that Anna's car or or Scott's car up there? Or did you actually drive the car? Because uh, well, it's an old car. It's a piece of crap. Yeah. And and it, that's a six hour drive. So I'm just curious. Yeah, it was a bus. I think I thought they towed it up there. And then they used they took it off the trailer and actually used shots once they got close. Yeah. Okay. Driving cool. like the shots of uh, Skylar driving driving into, in, into right. the park where there's the fry bread sign. Yeah, I was gonna the... like close by giving letting you have your fry bread story that you've told us about. What was my fry bread? Oh, we got to after uh, we wrapped production. I got to go to Monument Valley, uh, Utah, which was fantastic. Of course, where John Ford shot so many wonderful westerns, and we had uh, we uh, my girlfriend Holly and I uh, toured Monument Valley on the way home from uh, Albuquerque, and I got to eat uh, Navajo fry bread. <laughs> and man, it was good. I, good? I, I had something called a Nava dog. It was this little trailer. Uh, right in the middle of Monument Valley, this little trailer, this uh, this uh, Native American woman, a uh, young, you know, very attractive young woman, was running, and she was making me this Nava dog, which is like a hot dog on, on Navajo fry bread. And she's telling me about famous people she's met, like she met uh, Metallica, you know, because they shot some video on top of one of the buttes in Monument Valley. She was a she was a hoot. She was fun. Man, that was good. Cool. I wish I had one of those right now. I know you're, you you love the fry bread. Oh man, fry That's bread's really good. Virginia, from what I hear, it's really fry bread. Virginia, <laughs> hush puppy. Yeah, hush puppy. Oh man, hush puppies. Oh, now, is it similar to a hush puppy? The no, substance? No, it's uh, I don't know what it is. It's just damn good. 
Yeah. You don't want to rub your rub it into your hair. Or something, you know? <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> On that note, um, I want to thank Jonathan Banks for joining thank us you. today. Thank you, thank thank you. you so much, Jonathan, for coming in. Melissa, always a pleasure. Thank you. Vince, love love working with you every thank single time. Thank you. I, I want to uh, give another shout out to Mike Slovis who directed this episode. The episode is called Cornered. 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 As in four corners, right. and as in the feeling <laughs> of being cornered. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jenny Hutchinson, who wrote it and came yes, up with that title. Great absolutely. Title. Jenny Hutchinson, uh, Mike Slovis. Uh, and uh, next week, we're going to be talking about episode number uh, 407, uh, directed by Peter Gould, one of our writers who did a fantastic job. And um, So get ready for that. The title of that episode is uh, Problem Dog. Problem Dog. <laughs> Great title. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know, uh, TWOP, keep the questions coming. Uh, do our best to answer them. And uh, everybody, go break bad.